Good day and welcome to the ESPN MLB Season Opening Media Call with David Ross and Mark Teixeira. At this time, we would like to turn the conference over to Ben Cafardo. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you, Anna. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our 2017 MLB Opening Day Media Conference Call. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we will be issuing our season opening coverage plans today in a press release uh, that you should all receive shortly. As you know, the season will begin with seven games in two days on ESPN across this Sunday, April 2nd, and this Monday, April 3rd. Coverage is highlighted, of course, by Sunday's exclusive opening night telecast on ESPN at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. The defending World Series champion Chicago Cubs face their longtime rivals, the St. Louis Cardinals. There will be a special 90-minute edition of Baseball Tonight on site in St. Louis that will precede the game telecast starting at 7 p.m. And all of our games and Baseball Tonight shows are available to stream on the ESPN app. Uh, I should note there will be a replay and transcript of this call available this afternoon on ESPNMediaZone.com, and you can feel free to email me for it as well, ben.cafardo at ESPN.com. Having said that, uh, joining us today, we have ESPN's two big off-season acquisitions, new studio analysts David Ross and Mark Teixeira. We're excited to have both on the ESPN team. Mark made his debut last night on Baseball Tonight, and we'll be in St. Louis for pregame coverage on Sunday. And David will be making his debut on our air soon. I'm sure you've seen he's also in the middle of Dancing with the Stars on ABC right now, and by all accounts, doing very well. So, David and Mark, thank you both for joining us <laughs> today. Good to be here. Uh, Thanks, Ben. We're going to go right into questions now, so feel free, you can feel free to ask a follow-up if you'd like, and if we have time at the end of our call for more, uh, questions. We'll try to accommodate that, too. So without further ado, let's start with Paul Newberry at the Associated Press, uh, followed by Neil Best at Newsday. Paul. Uh, thanks, Ben. Uh, I'm sorry to uh, start off with a question that's a little off the subject, but uh, this is for Mark. Uh, I'm very interested in kind of what you've been doing here. here. I'm in Atlanta, and what you've been doing okay. with the uh, Emerald Corridor and the Proctor Creek, some of the, the project you've been involved with there, and uh, which it seems to be picking up steam. And I'm just curious why you decided to get involved with something like that, and, and also with so much kind of attention on environmental issues and, and, and in the news right now, global warming and that sort of stuff. Uh, if you hope, you know, maybe to set the lead on getting more athletes and ex-athletes involved in projects such as this. Well, I mean, I think one of the uh, – that's a, a great question to start off with because people are always asking me, you know, what am I doing with my time now that I'm retired? And um, <laughs> I think David can probably tell you we have tons of, of time that we didn't otherwise have. But I, make, I wanted to make my time productive. And uh, I started investing in real estate in Atlanta back in 2008 um, and have built a development company down there. But one of the main things that I noticed, uh, my partners and I noticed in Atlanta, was Proctor Creek runs through downtown and midtown Atlanta. And mm-hmm. um, it really needed to get cleaned up. It was, it was bad for the residents. It was bad for the, the Chattahoochee River and the water source for the southeast United States. And we wanted to make sure that uh, we did our part uh, bringing in the right uh, public and private partners together to uh, to clean up Proctor Creek and really make a difference in the environment because uh, you know we're we're uh, you know, we're all stewards of this community and, and of this world and I just feel strongly about it. What about too? You know, like you said, uh, I think I read an article where you 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 know 
so there's a lot of athletes, you know, so many issues out there and, and, and very meaningful ones to get involved in. Um, the environment hasn't maybe been a big one that athletes have become involved in, but uh, I think I read what you say. You hope that, that that will start to change, and you're, you know, hoping to kind of lead the way on that. I hope so. I mean, as athletes, you know, we have so much reach, um, you know, whether it's in, um, you know, kids, cancer, uh, politics, uh, you know, environment, whatever it might be. And I think you're, you're now starting to see athletes branching out a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I think it's good for, for all of us to understand that, you know, we don't live in a bubble where we just play baseball, you know, go home and, and redo it the next day. I mean, we, we're real people and there's real issues out there. And so I'd love for guys to, to step up for whatever they feel passionate about. And, and really try to make a difference. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Paul. Let's go to Neil Best at Newsday, followed by Phil Rosenthal at the Chicago Tribune. This is for David. I mean, you've, you've obviously had one of the more unusual last six months in the history of baseball. Has, has life started back to normal for you, or not really, now that you're starting <laughs> and dancing with the stars? No. I mean, it's still kind of hard to believe what's gone on in the last six months the, my 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 life is as far from normal as i could ever imagine <laughs> <laughs> i am uh i'm in the middle of something i never thought i'd be a part of and uh enjoying every minute of it it's just so far outside of my box um that to be in this arena and you know to take one uh, a guy that's a backup catcher and um you know, not really a superstar like some in the game, and, and to represent MLB and try to put a, you know, with no pun intended, a good foot forward, and and you know, um, you know, just have some fun with with this dancing thing, and uh, and signing on with ESPN and being a part of that, still being a part of um, the Cubs. It's just been a lot of fun for me, and and things that I didn't know what was, you know, kind of not knowing what was going to go on with my career or my life after baseball. Things have, I've just had so many great opportunities because of the platform uh, a lot of guys that I play with have put me on. and So I'm just trying to represent them very well and, and have fun with it. When do you think, uh, well, what do you, I guess there's a new normal now, but do you think things will settle down eventually for your new post, post-career life? Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, you know, I, I, we've got the, we've got the, the Dance with the Stars. That, that won't last forever. That's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's going to be short-term. <laughs> and uh, hopefully people keep voting and keep me on, but it's definitely going to be short-term because I'm having a blast. But I've got a book coming out, so that'll be a little crazy and, um, you know, some things after that. But I think I think the dancing thing, just because of the travel uh, and get, get back in studio with ESPN and, and get back to talking baseball will, will feel really normal to me. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. Let's go to Phil Rosenthal with the Chicago Tribune, followed by Justin Terranova with the New York Post. Hi, David. Uh, the 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 CSPN job. How does this mesh with the with the role you have with the Cubs going forward? And and also, how do you, how is viewing and analyzing baseball different from a studio? You think compared to being in the ballpark? Well, when you're in studio, you're really talking about the the bulk of the work from from you know all that's going on in MLB that day. You're analyzing the high points of of the games that went on. When you're when you're at the ballpark, you're really just watching the two sides or or maybe the team that that you're um, you know really focused on that day. So it's a lot more detail. It's a lot more talking. You're able to talk more specifics, more in-game 
strategy, maybe mindset of players. Um, it's just a you know you, you get a little more detailed uh, in the games when you're when you're in the studio. You're kind of on the clock and 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 gotta gotta kind of hit a bunch of highlights for for each and every team. Um, as far as the Cubs go, I'm really in, in just taking a backseat role with the Cubs and trying to learn some front office stuff just to broaden my horizon in baseball and what goes on in the front office and and how they how they see see things, how they analyze players, how they analyze um, the things that are going on in the field, and kind of grow my knowledge in that area because I'm I'm very naive when it comes to how front office works and I really think the, there's so much more to learn in baseball and really to get out to the public. So I'm hoping to learn from what I consider one of the best front offices in all of baseball and Theo and Jed and, and Jason McLeod and, and how these guys go about um, scouting players and, and fitting that player into their piece of the puzzle that, that they're uh, trying to build a team and, 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 and bringing that to the public. But does it in any way conflict? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that it's pretty obvious that uh, I'll be uh, – I'm, I'm a little biased toward the Cubs anyways. So, I mean, <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you expect me you expect me to badmouth, um, you know, a team that, that has done so much for me and me not be a Cubs fan, you know, you're wrong. I'm going to tell the truth. I'm going to be honest. You know, if a guy makes a mistake, it's pretty obvious. Uh, I'm going to have to, you know, make make that a point in, the, in my – you know, whatever I'm, I'm talking about, about the Cubs on TV, but um, I'm going to be a Cub for life and, and I'm going to support that organization as best I can um, because of, of how they treated me. Thanks. You got it. Thank you, Phil. Let's go to Justin Terranova with the New York Post, followed by David Barron with the Houston Chronicle. Uh, for Mark, uh, Mark, could you talk about how how the Yankees team changed last season after Gary's call up and just what your expectations are for the Yankees this season. Well, I, I think it was really exciting for a lot of people to watch for me to have a, you know, front a front row seat to, to what Gary did. But, you know, for so long, the Yankees farm system was depleted and, you know, really didn't produce, uh, you know, much for fans to get excited about. Uh, I think Brett Gardner, was drafted in 2005, and he was the last everyday player that we drafted. And that's a, you know, that's a really long stretch for, for any team, especially a team like the Yankees that you know, have kind of always built their, their powerhouses and their dynasties off of homegrown players. So you know, what we saw was you know, we knew we didn't have a team that was going to contend for a World Series. You know, we kept fighting, and I'm really proud of the guys for fighting. But you know, Brian Cashman and, and the front office really just made a, a concerted effort to say, okay, we're going to let these kids play and, and see what they have, see what we have for the future. And you obviously saw what Gary Sanchez can do. You also got, got to see what a few other guys could do. And it was a good stepping stone for this next phase of Yankee baseball, this next era of Yankee baseball. And I am very optimistic about where this team is headed. I, I think the, uh, the only question mark was – would be can they develop the arms that um, that you need to win multiple championships and you know David could probably tell you that you know, when you have three aces like the Cubs did last year it, it makes a lot of other little problems go away pretty quickly so I think the Yankees have a lot to look forward to Gary Sanchez could be an all-star for the next 10 or 15 years and uh, the only question is, is is can they produce the pitching that you need to win championships and have you worked with uh, Greg Bird at all this this off season, and any advice that you had given to him? 
So Birdie and I uh, really spent a lot of time together the last few years, and I'm a big Greg Bird fan. We talked a lot when he was going through his injury last year. Um, you know, with, with me, with the injuries that I had the last four or five years of my career, I could obviously relate to, to his frustrations. But uh, one of the things that, that me and Birdie always texted this offseason was, was trust. And you know, we probably text every, every two weeks nowadays and just say, hey, keep trusting yourself. Trust your talent. Trust your health. You know you have the, the talent to, uh, to go out and do special things. And I think that's what he's doing. Um, you know, he's just going out there and playing the game. He's not a guy that's going to get caught up in New York. You know, a lot of guys um, you know, kind of make it in New York and, and then they stop working or they decide they're going to you know, be a, a page six superstar rather than a Yankee Stadium superstar. That's not going to be Greg Bird. So I feel really good about his future. And and just one quickly for David, uh, going back to 2015 uh, against the Mets. I mean, can you talk about the challenge of of going against that staff when it was, uh, you know, at its kind of peak there? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's one of the you know it's not the best one of the best uh, staffs in baseball when all those guys are healthy and on top of their game. I mean, you I I I think those guys you know you got Noah who stayed healthy. But if Harvey and DeGrom and, and um, you know, those, all those guys can stay healthy, it's just you, you don't get a break like Mark was touching on earlier. When you have that consistent pitching and you have that um, consistency of I'm, I've got a guy that's going to keep it under three runs, even on a bad day they're going to have, you know, give up three, then your offense can really focus on manufacturing runs and getting runs early uh, and, and giving it to that bullpen and, and a guy like Familia who can shut it down at the end. So. Um, yeah, I, it's 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 a really tough obstacle to overcome when you're facing that kind of guy over and over again. And you add good defense with that, which they had and played against us. It was it was uh, it's pretty defeating because you just feel like you're never you know the confidence of a hitter. You're never getting over that hump of man. I just need one to fall. I need we need to get something going because you've got that strong pitching and defense. And and when they score they, three runs, feels like you're down ten. Thanks both of you guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's go to David Barron with the Houston Chronicle, followed by Jade Huxtable with Comcast New England. For both gentlemen, 2017 is the season that uh, Sports Illustrated rather famously predicted a couple of years ago that the Astros are going to be World Series champions, or at least be in the World Series. Uh, they have a core of, of young players that have been developing for a few years, but now they've added some some veterans such as McCann and Beltran and Reddick. And didn't I? I think it's a stretch to predict that they might be in the World Series. But I'm curious, both both gentlemen, what you what you see as the Astros' prospects for this year and how important the veteran acquisitions that they made during the off season will be for their younger players. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, well, first of all, the Astros made uh, made some really smart decisions. You know, picking up guys like Carlos Beltran and Brian McCann because these are two these are pros. Pro uh, played with both of them last year. I've I've known them both for uh, you know for their you know the majority of their careers. And when you have young players, young great talent like the Astros have, you need a couple savvy vets that have been through it to kind of bring them along. Um, you know, you, you look at what those guys have done in their career. And they're going to be able to share a lot with the Astros' young players. So I thought those were two great moves. Uh, the question that I have about the Astros is the health of their starting pitching. Um, when those guys, are, when Keuchel's healthy, when McCullers is healthy, that's a really good one too. 
Um, you know, Keuchel had a little bit of a down year. Uh, McCullers had some had some arm issues last year, but you know, if those two guys are healthy, if you have a guy like Charlie Morton maybe step up, um, I heard he's been looking really good in spring training. You know, they have a chance. You know, they they can you can put that starting staff healthy against some of the other ones. You know, the, the Cubs are going to be tough to beat in a World Series, but in the American League. I have uh, I have no issue saying that the, the Astros are one of the teams to beat in the American League. And I would reiterate that same statement. I think that the leadership qualities of the group they brought in, the veterans, uh, is not only going to help in the clubhouse, but a guy like Brian McCann, who is a close friend, um, who I you know kind of showed me the way of, of how to be a great teammate and, and a lot of the things I still use in working with the staff. I think he's going to take a staff that may be, um, maybe not as great in stuff, but he's going to compete and get the, get the most out of those guys, which we all know they have a great offense, and I, I think they, they've got a really strong chance uh, to go really deep in the playoffs if, 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 if what we see happening with the, the leadership goes along with the talent they have, because I think the talent on the field speaks for itself as some of the best in baseball. David, I'm curious to see your thoughts on just the fact that you are trying to compete against four foot eight Simone Biles at an athletic event. <laughs> yeah, right. I feel I feel completely uncoordinated for the first time in my life. I think it's uh, you know she is she's a little ball of muscle spinning around uh, all over the place, even when she's practicing uh, in the studio. So I, she's a super nice uh, young woman and. Um, it's been great getting to know her, but she is impressive in, in every aspect of her life. I mean, her personality, obviously her skills, how humble she is. Uh, and, and then on the dance floor, it's, it's, I mean, she just, she can do whatever they ask her to do, which is completely the opposite of, of if my coach asked me to do anything, it takes me 45 minutes to get two steps down. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Thank you, David. Uh, we apologize for that slight echo that you were hearing a minute ago. I think we have it fixed. Let's go to Jade Huxtable with Comcast Sportsnet New England, uh, followed by Mel Brock at the Daily Oklahoman. Jade, are you there? All right, we'll try to come back to Jade. Let's go to Mel Brock at the Oklahoman, followed by Sun Kim with MLB.com. Uh, yeah, for Tex, uh, uh, how are you approaching your new role as an analyst? And did, have, did you get any advice from any other players that turn analysts on how they handle the transition? Yeah, you know, I, I think, um, you know, David touched on it. You, know, you try to be as objective as you can be, but at the same time, we're human. And, you know, we're going we're gonna to have personal experiences with players or teams or managers or coaches or whoever it might be that I actually think the, the fans want to hear. You know, I've talked to a lot of people at ESPN and, um, you know, I have a lot of, a lot of friends that have, have done some, you know, analyst work, and they all say the same thing. You know, ESPN hired you because they want you to be Mark share. They don't want you to be a robot that just says, that's a fastball away, that's a curveball, look at that home run. I mean, anybody can do that. So I just, I'm trying to be myself. I'm trying to, you know, put myself in the shoes of a GM or a manager or a player uh, whatever the situation might be, and I got my first taste of it last night, and really enjoyed being able to speak freely because, in you know, during the season when you're a player, you really can't speak freely on what you think about the game. 
or, or what you think should happen. If you know, you know, say a, a a player gets sent down on your team that you don't agree with that move, you can't go tell the New York media, "Hey, I don't know why Cashman sent this guy down. That's that's a stupid move." But on ESPN, I can say that. You know, that's that's something that that people that people want me to say. They want to hear that from me. And I think that makes it a lot more fun to be able to talk about the game now that you um, you kind of don't have one hand tied behind your back, and that's the way that I'm looking at it. Is it going to be uh, unusual, weird for you commenting on the Yankees on the air? You know, I, we talked about the Yankees a lot last night, and um, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the same thing. I, I'm I'm going to be honest. I'm going to I'm going to kind of put myself in the shoes of of whether it's Joe Girardi or Brian Cashman or some of the players on the field, and think about hey, if I was in that situation, how would I act? And or you know, maybe I understand why they're doing this or or why they're making that move. But at the same time, I think I would lose credibility if I either pumped up the Yankees too much or didn't didn't say anything at all. You know, if, if someone asked me, like last night, they asked me who should be in right field, Aaron Judge or Aaron Hicks, I said, easy, Aaron Judge, and I gave the reasons why. Uh, if I said, you know, I don't really want to comment on that, I, th- I think I'd be pulled aside after the segment and say, hey, Mark, that's, that's why you're here. We want you to comment on that. We want you to be critical. We want you to take a stand. And when I took those stands and they were definitive last night, that um, I think everyone appreciated my point of view, whether they agreed with, with it or not. That's that's irrelevant, but they appreciated it. Thanks a lot. Thank you, Mel. Let's go to Sun Kim with MLB.com, followed by Joe Gillio with NG. I'm uh, sorry, excuse me, NJ.com. Good morning, guys. Uh, no questions for me. Uh, I'm a big fan of you both. Uh, I grew up in Atlanta, so it's great to hear about the good work you're doing there, Mark. Uh, David, watching you hit the homer in Game 7 uh, will be something I'll remember uh, for the rest of my life. I was able to watch with my brother, um, both big baseball fans, and I look forward to watching you both on TV, uh, dancing or otherwise. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right, thank you, son. Let's go to Joe with NJ.com, followed by Joe Polsky with MLB.com. Mark, when you look at the Yankees, and I know you were talking a few minutes ago about uh, the bright future they have, how quickly do you think they can get there? And what I mean by that is, is compete uh, for a championship. Is this a, a type of thing that's two years away in your mind now as you look at them maybe a little bit differently than when you were in that clubhouse? Is it a year away? How do you assess their timeline here to get back to where you guys were when you were on that team in 09? You know, realistically, I think this year is a year of figuring out what you have. So you really want to know who the young pitchers on the staff or in the bullpen are, are guys, and that's kind of a baseball term. Um, you know, a guy is somebody that you can count on that's going to be in your lineup, in your rotation for the next three to five years and be a, a, you know, a solid to all-star type player. So this year they really need to figure out who those guys are. Um, they'll, they'll probably start out the season with – um, you know some of the veterans taken at bats, but as the season goes on, you know if they falter, and I think that they're going to win a lot of games this year. I mean, I think the Yankees will be in the race, you know, into September um, because you know they still have enough talent. They have a very good back end of the bullpen. Um, you know, they have the, the, the talent to be there in the race. But if they start falling out, you're going to see you know Clint Frazier get called up. You're going to see Glaybar Torres get called up. And this year is that learning period. Next year, I mean, if those guys make strides in 2017, 
you might look at 2018 as, okay, I might go out and be a little bit more aggressive in the trade market or the free agent market. And I think 2018 and 2019 would probably be the year everyone talks about Harper and Machado are free agents after 18. So, you know, probably not this year, but in 2018 and, and 2019, the Yankees could be serious contenders. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to Joe Polsky with MLB.com, uh, followed by Peter King with CBS News Radio. I'm actually just listening. I'm going to pass. Thank you. No problem. Let's go to Peter King with CBS News Radio, followed by John Teal with MLB.com. Great. Thank you very much, Ben, and good morning, gentlemen. Uh, congratulations on making the transformation to our side of the microphone. Like I, and th- this first question is for both of you. And uh, I'm just wondering, uh, for Dave and for Mark, how hard is the adjustment from being a player to being a spectator on opening day? I'll tell you what, you know, for me, it's, Things have been super busy, and, and spring training's gone by pretty fast. But I just got down here to, uh, to close camp yesterday, and I went and watched some of the game, and it was such a great atmosphere here. I was itching to get down on the field and just be a part of those guys in the dugout. I wanted, I missed that a lot. I missed that camaraderie with the, with the guys on the field. And so I, I think there's going to be a big pull for me. Um, I just love being a part of the atmosphere, excuse me, and the group as a whole and competing as a team. So um, there'll definitely be that pull, but I'll tell you one thing, my life is a, has a lot less stress in it uh, right now because I don't have to worry about trying to try to get my off some of the best pitchers in baseball with my swing. So I think, I think for me, it's uh, it's kind of a, I'm right in the middle. I'm missing some parts, but I'm also loving uh, retirement. And for Mark. A little, little bit, a little bit uh, different for me. I, I kind of made a point not to, not to go down to spring training. I told the Yankees don't, Please don't ask me to come because I'll feel bad saying no. So, I um, you know I kind of wanted to stay away from the game and and catch up on on things that I haven't been able to do the last 15 years. And you know for me ESPN was kind of a half step. You know I I live here in Connecticut, so I'm an hour and 15 minutes away from Bristol. I can still be a part of the game. I can be close enough to the game, not lose touch, but still not you know kind of be in that daily grind where. You're, you know, you're in it every single day. That's kind of why I retired. But I will miss opening day. I'll miss you know, the opening day jitters. I'll miss you know, when I see uh, you know, the Yankees or one of my other former teams having a, you know, having a celebration after a walk-off hit. I'll miss that type of stuff. But like David said, I'm not going to miss uh, the 0 for 4s with three strikeouts. I'm not going to miss <laughs> cross-country flights at 4 in the morning. I'm not going to miss you know, everything in my body hurting when I wake up in the morning. Those are things um, my stress level went from, uh, you know, from a, a 10 to a 1 uh, pre- pretty dramatically, you know, pretty quickly after I retired. So that's been really nice, and, and I won't miss that part of it. Uh, David, do you feel the same thing in terms of your stress level? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, no doubt. And I had some, some teammates who had uh, been out of baseball and just said, you don't realize how much stress you put on yourself in the daily grind of, just trying to perform at the highest level and the expectations you put on yourself. So um, I can walk in the doors, you know, it's playing like I did yesterday. And it's just, uh, keep people like, man, you look so happy. I was like, well, I don't have to, I don't have to grind. I'm not, I'm not in the middle of the grind. I mean, this is one of the longest spring trainings there is with the WBC and these guys are ready to get out of here talking to to them and ready to get the competition started. And I'm so glad I don't uh, have to 
be in the middle of that and uh, worried about, you know, am I as prepared as I need to be to, to start a season and, and be accountable to my teammates and be ready uh, for, for the road ahead. It's a, it's a long, hard grind, especially when you're trying to win championships. And just a quick left turn from this discussion. I'm just wondering what you both think of the elimination of the four-pitch intentional walk this year. I, Go ahead, I don't Mark. think it's a big. I don't think it's a big deal. You know, it's um, it's it's kind of dead time. It doesn't happen that much. It's it's going to be one of those things. You know, by May, no one's going to going to say anything about it. It's it's no biggie for me. Yeah, that that for me, it's not really a huge deal. I just wish that. Um, just all the minor rule changes, it just seems to be something new every year. That's the thing that's bothering me. Uh, we've got a great game. I wish they would come in and stop trying to nickel and dime the minute here or the minute there and just come in and make some substantial changes that are going to help fix our, our game in the way that they want it fixed. Because I love, I love the game of baseball, and, you know, I don't mind a minor change like that, but I just feel like it's, it's um, you know, it's just kind of, their way of saying we did something to help speed up the game when it, for me it's really not not got a whole lot of substance to it. Thanks guys and again good luck in your uh, new endeavors on ESPN. Knock it out of the park. Thank you. Thank you Peter. You're listening to the ESPN MLB opening day media conference call with Mark Teixeira and David Ross. Let's go to John Teal with MLB.com followed by Charlie Mule with New York Sports Day. John, are you there? All right, let's go to Charlie Mule with New York Sports Day, followed by Trent Rosecrans with the Cincinnati Inquirer. Charlie, the floor is yours. All right, let's try Trent Rosecrans with the Cincinnati Inquirer. Hey, David. Um, had just kind of an offbeat question. It's opening day coming up. It is actually going to be the 10th anniversary of the Mark Mallory opening day pitch in Cincinnati, the possibly worst pitch ever. Uh, I was wondering <laughs> if you had any uh, memories of that pitch. And uh, I know you were you were getting ready to go out with Harangue for, for the real opening first pitch. I remember seeing the – I remember seeing the highlights after. And my, my – uh, my biggest memory was Eric Davis's face <laughs> when he looked back. When he looked back at him and was like, "What? What was that? What just happened?" Uh, I can't believe they're going to celebrate that. That that cracks me up. Um, it it, uh, it definitely was all over the news. I think it's still one of the worst uh, first pitches ever in the history of Major League Baseball. But I'll never forget Davis's face uh, looking back, like, "What was that?" Did um. If you you've had to catch some ceremonial first pitches before, is that usually a challenge? Is it different? And, uh, and 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 did you ever have anything close to that one that bad? I've never had one close to that bad, but I, you definitely you're on your toes. You never know what you're going to get. Whether it's uh, you know you don't know the ego of the person out there throwing. If they're out there to have fun and just lob it in, or uh, if they're going to show how hard they can throw it, or if they can even get it to you. So. You got to be on your toes for those first pitches because you know you're trying to make. They're out there, uh, everybody's celebrating them and they're announcing them, and it's kind of their one little moment on on a on a mound and in, in major league in front of all those people. So 
you want to make sure that you try to help them out. And, and we try to, we, you know, we used to boo guys in Atlanta when they'd come back and let the ball get by them, the first pitch of the rookie. So uh, you make sure you keep it in front of you and, and make the person look good. You didn't boo Eric, though, did you? No, I didn't. No, there was no chance. I don't think. I don't think Eric could have could have could have had any. He could have done for that ball. I don't think he still could have gotten it. They almost went in the dugout. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. Uh, just a few more. We appreciate all of your patience. Uh, let's go to John Arguello with Chicago Now, followed by Barry Janoff with New York Sports Journalism. Hi. This question for David. Um, the last two years, the Cubs have started the season with, with veteran catchers to go with the veteran staff. This year, they're transitioning to a, a catcher in Wilson Contreras, who's very gifted, but also young and relatively new to the position. Looking back on your own career, how difficult is that transition for both the catcher and the pitchers? And do you think it will take some time to get on the same page? Uh, you know what, Wilson, I think is going to have a pretty much seamless transition the great thing I had coming up when I was with the Dodgers was I had a veteran staff like Adeo Nomo and Kevin Brown and, you know, Darren Dreifert. I had a, a ton of guys with experience, and I think that's what Wilson's coming into here. you got guys, you know, six rings uh, between John Lester and John Lackey and now a guy like Jake Arrieta with two no-hitters and, and now a ring and, and a guy that, that almost won the Cy Young and Kyle Hendricks. You know, you've got a veteran staff on the mound that can help lead and help teach and help – you know, keep his emotions in check because I think the game calling will be, you know, the diff, the, the most difficult part because because you just need experience. You need experience uh, when a guy beats you in a certain situation. Maybe he was looking for a certain pitch, and um, or you just kind of stayed with the scouting report and didn't read the swing. So I think those are going to be the biggest challenges for Wilson. But I don't see it being a problem with the with the experience of the staff. There's so much so much experience there in both leagues and. Uh, I think he's going to learn a lot this year, and there will be, you know, some challenges here and there, but I don't think it's going to be anything for an extended period of time. Great. Thank you. Thank you, John. Let's go to Barry Janoff with New York Sports Journalism, followed by Benjamin Sandberg with MLB Network. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking the time. And, David, congratulations on the World Series, even though I'm in New York. Um, I wanted to ask you, you're, you're kind of following in the footsteps of some iconic catchers who became uh, baseball analysts, uh, Joe Garagiola, Tim McCarver, and the uh, sort of the legendary Bob Euchre. I was wondering, if you have you thought about, or would you just sort of naturally go into creating your own personality, or, you know, is that going to take time? You know, you'll be covering the games, talking about the games, and you'll see what develops from there. Yeah, I just I feel like I have a unique perspective because there's not a whole lot of catching analysts in in, uh, in the media and on TV, and I think it's a different point of view that I'm able to give. And um, I know pitching and catching very well, uh, not so much the, the fielding side, but I, I just uh, I think that I'm going to have a, a unique uh, point of view. I'm just going to try to be myself when it comes to personality. Uh, if I start trying to be somebody else or or create uh, you know something that's you know, unnatural, then I'm going to be awkward and, and not have fun. I'm going to be myself and kind of lay it out there and be open and honest. And I'm kind of an open and honest, you know, what you see, what you get kind of guy. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, and hopefully people are, are attracted to that and enjoy listening to me. Yeah. And there's a rumor that catchers are smarter than other players because so many of them become managers. <laughs> I, I promise you that I'm not smarter than, than the guy on the other line here on the, in this phone call. Uh, 
I mean, his his vocabulary already impresses me. So um, I just try to be me, and I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm I'm a backup catcher, and you know, I wasn't a superstar. I wasn't some big time player that, um, you know, put up great numbers. I, I have a, a unique perspective because of the many roles I've played and being around some great champions and uh, having two rings and two big markets. So I do know about winning and what that looks like, and and I, I know losing because I know what that looks like too. So. Uh, I just want to give my perspective on things, and, and hopefully people enjoy that. Great. Thanks a lot. Good luck this season to both you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Barry. And I was just notified that Benjamin Sandberg at MLB Network uh, has disconnected. So with that, we will wrap up this media call. Um, again, sincere thank you to members of the media for joining and going 45 minutes with Mark and David, and a big thank you to the both of you as well. Again, a transcript and replay of this call will be issued uh, and available on ESPNMediaZone.com today. So I hope you all tune in uh, for ESPN's coverage, seven games in two days to start the MLB season. Thank you very much and have a great day.